We're going to continue this morning for a few minutes looking at the Holy Spirit, His role in our life, the significance of having the Spirit of God minister in us and to us and indeed even through us. If you open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at a few verses here. And Paul teaches us about the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It seems whatever the denomination, Christians everywhere are intrigued by the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, I guess you could say, the proverbial moth to the flame We're drawn to the Holy Spirit, yet we don't know how close we can fly without hurting our wings or burning our wings. We're attracted by the light, but at the same time, we're frightened by the heat. I wonder, have you ever felt a pull to draw closer to the Holy Spirit, only to have it blocked because of fear? Fear of being misunderstood and maybe even mislabeled. Fear of going off the emotional deep end and getting weird. Fear of falling away from Scripture into error, a legitimate fear in a sense. But why is that? Why are so many afraid of the Holy Spirit? Could it be we've bought into the view that the spiritual world is flat and if we sail too close to the edge exploring the Holy Spirit, we might just fall off? may sound ridiculous, but deep down, that's exactly the fear some people have. We believe the frightening tales maybe others have told us or we've read about. Those who've dared to sail beyond the chartered edges of limited understanding. And so, instead of venturing out, we drop anchor in the shallow waters of theoretical knowledge. I was thought of that dynamic when I read these verses. I want to read, we're going to look at three points primarily here about the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Most can point to a moment in their lives they've experienced the Holy Spirit's unmistakable guidance. But our awareness of the Spirit's work is often lacking. And so let's look at this inner working of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, let's first of all start with the first five verses. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My message, my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. You know, when we stand back and consider the inner working of the Holy Spirit, we find the Holy Spirit doing something, demonstrating God's power. And 1 Corinthians 2 opens with a clear statement, not only about Paul's ministry, but even more about the Holy Spirit's, because the two blended together in the first five verses. The first five verses tell us what Paul didn't do, what he did do, and how he accomplished what he did. It was by the Holy Spirit. Not by his flesh, not by his wisdom, not by his philosophies. In the context of 1 Corinthians, they were pretty proud of their wisdom. They were pretty proud of their 
uh, Stoicism. They were pretty proud of their, the philosophies of the teachers. They considered themselves very learned and those who had much wisdom. And so as Paul comes to them, their words must have seemed kind of strange to them. And to the surprise of many, Paul did not come to Corinth as a fast-talking celebrity. Matter of fact, he proved to be ordinary. Even, I guess to many, probably a disappointing figure of a leader who preached the same message over and over about this Messiah, Christ. And so how was he able to bring so many to Christ? How could Paul help establish churches? Well, he makes it incredibly clear in verses 4 and 5. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I didn't come with any wise or persuasive words, not clever, wasn't crafty. Didn't have all the latest you know, church insights into how to grow congregations. No, I, he said, basically, I came in weakness and in fear. I had nothing to offer, but what you've seen happen is it can only be defined and described as a demonstration of the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit brings power to our lives and to our ministries, and that's the greatest need. And the power of transformation comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not our own. And the Holy Spirit works in hearts and minds, and it's his power that allows you and I to be different. talked last week about the Holy Spirit that brings spiritual fruit. It's a miraculous, supernatural work of the Spirit. It works inside us, and it demonstrates the power of God at work. A pastor of a large church in America, I agreed with what he writes. He says, in too many places where the Bible is being thumped and doctrine is being argued till three in the morning, the spirit of that doctrine is missing. You know what he's trying to say, I think, is that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings the word of God in a supernatural way to us, has, obviously, through inspiration, but also illumination, teaches us, open our eyes, and at times we can study and read and miss and not be sensitive to the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our life and what he might be trying to say to us. Too many might be trying to do church without the Holy Spirit. A question I've asked, and maybe you've asked, maybe different words, but similar how can it be that we who have the spirit of the living God on the inside appear at times so lifeless on the outside? And Maybe it, it's this whole issue sometimes we don't know what to do with emotion. We don't know, we know the Holy Spirit works, but we're not sure with this thing called emotions. We're kind of afraid of them. We're kind of afraid of marrying the Holy Spirit with our emotions, we're not quite sure what's going to come out. We're not quite sure what's going to happen. We've seen excesses that have scared us a little bit. And we've said, and rightfully so, we need to base our faith on facts, not feelings. But does this mean we're to have no feelings or emotions at all? I mean, what does the Holy Spirit do in our life in regard to our emotions? Some believers are, frankly, I think, stunted emotionally. They don't know what to do with this whole issue of emotions. And as unpredictable and fluctuating as our emotions may be, we must never forget God's the one who gave us emotions, the capacity to experience them. 
And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit in our life is he ignites them. He's the one who brings and gives healthy emotions. And it's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I read a story about a a man in a church. He was a believer and he got encouraged. This is the value of other men. Uh, by another man in the church and said, we need to get together and pray. And so they had a small group of guys. They studied together once a week. They prayed. He said he, he enjoyed the times. But remember, the more he prayed, especially this one morning, he says he remembers something happened. God seemed to bring to his mind this teacher he had years ago. Teacher's face, the teacher's name. And in that morning, he shared, I couldn't pray. I just sobbed and sobbed, and I I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. All this emotion was coming out, and I I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was this teacher's face came to my mind. And as I prayed, and obviously these other men could tell something was going on, he shared, and he felt, in his words, God brought to mind a moment of abuse that was years ago that I had stuffed down and God's spirit surfaced it. In that moment, he allowed me to forgive. How does that happen but by the Holy Spirit? You can't explain it. We can't put it in a box. We can't give a three-point thing of how that happened other than the Spirit of God was working in this man and he helped him deal with deep emotion. One of the things I think we fail to appreciate is the Spirit's ability to transform our emotions so they become healthy emotions. Emotions where we're free to really truly experience and feel. Yes, feel what God would have us feel. And it's the Holy Spirit's power that cultivates this. He brings peace. He gives us the ability to forgive, even when bitterness is our experience. I guess my point is don't ignore or be afraid of the Holy Spirit to transform our emotions so we could be healthy, helpful, and hopeful. Emotion's not our enemy. Apathy is. And it's the Holy Spirit that cultivates in us healthy emotion. And it's his power at work in us that allows ministry to happen, that allows messages to have impact, that allows lessons to our children to have impact. It's the inner working of the Holy Spirit that begins to have in our life a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Paul tells us something else that reflects or describes, I should say, the inner working of the Spirit. And we find it in verse 6 through 10. He says, Your faith, verse 5, should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ears not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. 
For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. The Holy Spirit, he searches God's hidden wisdom. Now up to this point, Paul's insisted the gospel owes nothing to human wisdom. Quite the contrary. It's quite a contradiction to human wisdom. The wisdom that comes from the Spirit, from the depths of God, are hidden treasures of truth. Without the Spirit's help, we would not really be able to understand anything of the deep wealth of God's wisdom. They would be forever out of our reach. And I love verse 10 because it, it just tells us the wonderful mysteries which God prepared for those who love him are accessible through the Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. And what Paul's saying is this gospel this is the wisdom of God. It's this mystery. It's the hidden wisdom. None of the rulers of this age has understood. He said if they would have, they wouldn't crucified Jesus Christ, who is the core of the gospel, obviously. The gospel, after all, at the most crucial and deepest point, stands in utter contradiction to human wisdom. And the Spirit only can penetrate and reveal that of the gospel. I want to read in chapter 1, verse 18 through 29. Notice the contrast Paul gives. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise among the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. I mean, I, I, I can't say it any better than that. <laughs> I mean, the Spirit searches the hidden wisdom of God. And he takes the blinders off and allows us to see the richness of the gospel. It's the inner working of the Spirit that continues in lives to this very day. He clarifies truth. He discloses to us what is the heart and the mind of God. And what a thrilling thought to me. That there are realms of earthly experiences we've never traveled, which the Spirit can open up to us. It can help us see things we've never seen before. That's why you can read a verse over and over, and all of a sudden you read it, and it's like brand new. The Spirit revealing the heart and the mind of God. I read an interesting point from an author who shared 
something he had heard, and it made him think. He said that he had read or heard that one person claimed to receive an anointing if they visited their church, because that's where the river is moving, he was told. And he read about some bizarre and unbiblical manifestations at this particular church, that if you came and experienced them, you would know that you were in the flow. But nowhere in Acts, this author says, did he ever see the blessing of God tied to geography. I mean, when Peter went to Cornelius' house in a crowded home, he never said, you need to come back with us to Jerusalem because that's, that's where the Spirit's moving. Never said that or taught that. The early Christians didn't travel around to get the blessing, so to speak. For they knew the Holy Spirit was available to anyone, anywhere. And I hope that you thank God daily that the Holy Spirit is accessible wherever you are. And that he's at work in you. And a work that, that, that demonstrates the power of God. It's a work of illumination that you could see. And he opens our minds so we can understand. Because the third point he tells us is that he reveals the deep thoughts of God. Verses 11 and 12 of 1 Corinthians 2. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we, by the way, in the Greek, by the way, it was interesting for me to study this. That word we is emphatic. It's like Paul saying, now we, we, we have the spirit of God. We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God that we might know the things freely given to us. We. It's kind of a corporate exhortation, a kind of a, a, a corporate identify, identification. He wanted his hearers to know. You have the Holy Spirit in you. and He's at work in you. And he reveals God's deep thoughts. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. We're told God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They're, they're unattainable. But by the Holy Spirit's ministry at work in you, we can understand, at least to a little degree, the thoughts in the heart of God. If we were to read Acts 20, 22 through 24, I encourage you to, to write it down. Paul, these words are weighted by wrenching emotions of Paul saying goodbye to people who's beloved to him. And he says, now bound in the spirit, I found that a really interesting phrase, bound in the spirit. And he goes on to say, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city saying that bonds and affliction wait for me. Those two phrases got me bound by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit testified. How did that happen? We, you know, we read them and we fly over them what is that? I mean, what does it mean to be bound in the Spirit? How did the Spirit testify? We kind of fly by those phrases sometimes. But we have that Holy Spirit in us who testifies. Now, I'm not all that Paul meant by bound in the Spirit. I do know that there was a reassurance to him in threatening times for sure, that the Spirit gave assurance that he was held fast and he felt compelled by the Spirit to move. 
And I thought of times, and, and you probably can relate to this, times maybe you've studied Scripture, you've prayed about something, quite haven't got the clarity or direction, kind of have a few things going in your head of maybe what to do. But then you experience the leading so strong. To a, maybe to the degree you would say, I felt bound by the Spirit to do this. Maybe it didn't make sense to some other people. I believe God gives that type of insight. The longer I live, I believe that there's times God's Spirit gives us such a deep conviction, deep assurance, we can say to a degree, I felt bound by the Spirit, compelled by the Spirit to move, to go to this person. Whatever it would be. It's the inner working of the Spirit. And it's rich. We want to define it. Sometimes we can't. It's not neat. We can't give three points to tell somebody exactly how it came to us, so to speak. And there's depths of God's will that maybe we've never tapped, which the Spirit wants to show us, to testify to us. And don't you wish it was neat? I, I read this by Paul, and I'm like, the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. We've received the Spirit. We might know the things freely given to us by God. And there is a huge part of us that would really intellectually be able to explain it all. But the inner work of the Holy Spirit, first of all, what a gift, but can't always be defined. It can't always be explained to the degree that we would like it to be. But it is interesting and the inner working of the Spirit who searches God's wisdom. Paul says he revealed truth to him. And the Spirit empowered, imparted to him the very words he needed to share and gave him the power that those words would impact lives, indeed even change lives. And the same one who searched, taught, and revealed God's wisdom and power to Paul is at work in you and me today. In place of weakness, the Holy Spirit brings strength. In place of human knowledge, the Spirit brings divine wisdom. In the place of superficial understanding, the Holy Spirit brings profound insight. Don't miss seeing the Spirit's work in your life. You ever imagine what the Christian life would be like without the inner working of the Spirit? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Whenever a biblical principle comes to mind in the very moment we need it, do you recognize that the Spirit is at work? Or do we simply chalk it up to our own intuition or, or just good luck? Or how about when you're studying the Scriptures, a passage opens up and our thinking is impacted to a depth of understanding we've never known before. Is that superior knowledge? Or is it the Holy Spirit at work? And do you appreciate it as such? Maybe you and I don't bother to credit anybody or anything for those type things. They just happen and maybe we go on. But think of what we're missing. The Spirit's right there working. He's just tapped us on the shoulder at times, but we hurry right past Him as if He doesn't exist. And many, we may even then go on and complain how distant God feels and He just did some mighty work in us and through us and in us. Yet we didn't recognize it was the Spirit of God. 
But we can learn to better recognize the Spirit's work when we see it. Sometimes it's just as simple as putting your antenna up. Your assignment, if you will, this week is to look closely for evidence of the Spirit's presence in your life. When you open the Scriptures, when you hear testimonies of transformation, of what the Spirit is doing, when you see that dynamic at work in other people's lives, keep your antenna up this week. That's our assignment, to look for evidence of the Spirit's presence in your life, in others' lives. So let's watch for and indeed even rejoice in what the Spirit is doing in us, in others, and wants to and longs to do through us. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, there's a lot of times I get up here and feel so inadequate adequate to try to explain what is really unexplainable. Yet I do know you, Holy Spirit, are at work even this very moment, helping all of us see, understand in a greater way. And I thank you and praise you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who gives hope and brings health to our life, healthy emotions, healthy perspective. You meet us when we open your word. You meet us in those moments of surrender, those moments we take a step of faith to speak to somebody. You meet us there. And you do the miraculous. Help us to recognize that. Give us eyes to see, hearts that would rejoice in all that you're doing. As you point us to Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in that name we pray. Amen. I think it's really encouraging, uh, as I heard of a testimony last week, on how the Spirit works in it through His Word, and just as a little bit of review, if you remember last week's verses from Galatians 5, um, we have a testimony today of how God has really used His Word to change someone's life, and I'd like Mark Kohler to come up and share with us. Good morning. My name is Mark Kohler. Um, I think many of you know me. We've been attending church here with my wife, Lisa, and family for a couple years. We also lived in Dasso back in the 80s. Some of you knew me then. Um, but I want to share, and then Matt's uh, preaching today really sets up my little story about how the Holy Spirit worked in my life. Um, when I was a teenager, at some point, I came to this belief that um, the Bible and God were out to take away the fun in my life. And I thought that the Bible was a set of rules that was really, you know, confining and, and 
that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't really uh, be able to enjoy life like I thought I should. And I was deceived, no doubt about it. Um, so that lasted through my college years, and I met my wife, Lisa, and um, in my late 20s, she convinced me to go to an um, introduction to Christianity class called Alpha. And that was a 10-week course where, you know, we learned about kind of a core, similar to what we're doing here at, at Elam, core beliefs class. But there was also a, a, a long section, uh, a whole weekend about the Holy Spirit, which was somewhat new to me. And um, the, the Galatians 5 was uh, brought into my life in, in one of those sessions and I don't know if you could put Galatians uh, 19 through 21 up on the screen. So Galatians 5, and Matt preached about this last week, um, there's such a contrast between verses 19 through 21. And then if you could flip real quick to um, the fruits of the Spirit's verses and the fruits of the Spirit. So I, I really was forced at that point to kind of look at my life and say, well, where am I in this picture of, of contrast? And I, I really came to the conclusion that much of my life was in the sinful nature um, of verses 19 through 21. So somewhere in that time, my eyes were open, and it was the Holy Spirit, I believe, to show me that God was not out to steal my joy. It was the opposite. Um, and I was deceived up until then. And I learned that he was really out for, for me, for, for joy and for peace and patience. And not long after that, um, I gave in. The Lord had been pursuing me for years, and I had kind of had this somewhat standoff relationship with him, like, you stay over there, I'll be over here. And um, instantly, I had peace in my life and more patience and a lot of the other things, gentleness, self-control. Um, I still have that today. And, and before that time, I had lots of anxiety. I had um, a lot of pride. I'm not perfect, don't get me wrong, but there was an instant change. And I believe, um, and I'm not going to give the evil one credit, but he had deceived me. And the Holy Spirit opened my eyes with, partly with these verses and with others also. Um, so I just wanted to share a little bit about um, how these verses have impacted my life and still do today. Thank you. That's just amazing how God uses that. That's just incredible. I have some ushers to come forward and let's just spend a little time in prayer and thanks for our offering. Lord, we just rejoice in the testimony of our brother. Just how, how powerful your spirit is, Lord, to, to draw us unto yourself and to convict us and to change our lives in a moment. Lord, we just give you the praise. Thank you, Lord, for the way in which you minister amongst us. 
Lord, help us be sensitive in how we can minister to each other as you give the Holy Spirit um, in our lives, Lord, and as we become sensitive to your leading. Lord, may we continue to encourage one another, to build each other up, to uh, pray over one another, to rejoice with one another. Lord, we give you the glory. Thank you, Lord, for this body. Lord, for your word that's gone out this day, Lord. Just the promise of your spirit and how it works in and through us, Lord. May we have that peace. May we just find our rest in you. Whatever this week brings, Lord, may you be glorified. May you use us. Take these gifts, Lord. Use it for the furtherance of your gospel throughout your, your kingdom and in this community, Lord. We thank you and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, also, 4 o'clock today, uh, congregational meeting. Please come out, whether you're a member or not. Uh, great thing to celebrate what God's doing and um, just to rejoice together. And so we invite you to do that as well. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For from him and through him and to him, are all things, and to him be the glory forever and ever. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's go proclaim him this week, church. Have a great week.